Well, let me start by asking you a question. If you didn't know any more about the Bible as you know about, or any more about your job as you know about the Bible with the same amount of years of exposure, what would happen to you? Think about that for a minute. You know, it's a question I ask every semester in my 412 Foundations class, and you want to know what the number one answer is? I would be fired. And that's a sad thing to think about. You know, we study for our jobs. Some people, they go to school for four years, for eight years, or even longer than that, to be able to do the job that they do. And we study for our hobbies, you know, whatever your hobby is. I mean, you, you look at it and you, you want to investigate what's the best tools to, to do the hobby that you do or what's the best um, way to do the hobby that you do. But whenever it comes to God's Word, many times we don't dig and study the Scriptures as we should. We don't know the information that we should know, especially with the amount of years of exposure that we've had in God's Word. And so this morning we see in this passage the author of Hebrews, he's talking to these Jewish believers and he tells them that because of your laziness, I'm not able to teach you the things that I want to teach you. And he said, with the amount of years of exposure that you've had being in the faith, by now you ought to be teachers. You ought not just need the information coming in, but you ought to be giving it back out. But instead, you need the ABCs again. You need to go back to elementary school of church. You need to be going back into the nursery and getting some information. And then he charges them to press on to maturity. And that's what we need to be thinking about and be making these applications in our lives as we look at our passage of Scripture this morning. So let's begin with an outline. In verse 11, he tells these believers that he can't give them the information that he wants to give them because not just because the information is hard, but he says because you're dull of hearing. And we'll see as we go through this passage, that word dull has the idea of being lazy or being sluggish. And then we're going to see where should they be at this point in time in their lives with the amount of exposure that they've had to God's word. And that is that they ought to be teachers. They ought to be able to take the truths and principles that they've found in God's word and entrust them to faithful people who would be able to teach others also. But we're going to see that they're not there. He says with an illustration, what you really need is milk rather than solid food. Then he tells them, you know, it's not just knowledge, it's not just information that you need, but you need maturity. And maturity comes through practice. You're able to discern good and evil because you practice it, because you live out God's word in your life. And so then he finishes with this charge, let's press on to maturity. So before we get to our passage this morning, let's think about some background. Just like the ancestry of Melchizedek, which is unknown, the author of the book of Hebrews is unknown as well. And the book's major theme is that Christ is superior to all things. 
You see, Christ is superior to the angels in that they come to worship him. Christ is superior to Moses. You know, these Jewish believers had put themselves back under the law. They had drifted away from the truths that that they had heard from, from God's word and that Christ is all they need. And they had drifted and put themselves back under the law system. And so they think that, that Moses is the man. But... It, in this, in this letter here, he says, no, Christ is superior to Moses in that he created Moses. And then if you go to Hebrews chapter 11, it's known as the Hall of Fame of Faith. And it says, by faith, by faith, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Sarah, by faith, Noah, all of these people who lived their life by faith. But then you go to chapter 12 and it says, but Jesus Christ, he is the author and perfecter of faith. You know, because of what he did in his life. What did he do? He went to the cross. He bore in his body our sins on the cross. He despised the shame. And then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, Christ is superior to all things. In the passage that we are, that is preceding what we're looking at today, he's talking about, the author is talking about Christ's priesthood in relation to the priesthood of those who were in the Old Testament. He has a different priesthood, and it's according to the order of Melchizedek. He didn't come from the same lineage that the priesthood on earth did. His priesthood was different, and this is a difficult thing for them to understand. But in this section leading into it, he says that Jesus Christ is a different priesthood because he is a high priest who is without sin. You see, the priests in the Old Testament, you know what they had to do? Before they could make an, uh, an offering or a, a sacrifice for the people, he had to make a sacrifice for their own sins because they were imperfect and they had to get themselves right with God before they could make a sacrifice for the people. But Jesus Christ wasn't that way. He didn't have to make a sacrifice for himself because he was the perfect high priest who was without sin. And he can relate to us in that he left the glories of heaven. He became a man. He was tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. So first off, we see that his priesthood is different than the priesthood of those here on earth because his priesthood was one without sin. Second, we also see that his priesthood is a work that is finished. You see, the, the priests in the Old Testament, what did they have to do? They had to offer time and time again the same sacrifices which could never take away sin, but he offering himself as the final sacrifice for sin forever, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Those priests in the Old Testament, they had to offer time and time again the same sacrifices. And why did they have to do that? Because the blood of bulls and goats could only cover sin. They couldn't pay for sin. But Jesus Christ paid for sin. And whenever he paid for sin, his work as the great high priest, offering sacrifice was completed, so he was allowed to sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. And that sacrifice that he made is the sacrifice that satisfied God. 1 John 2, 2, he is the satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he paid for your sin, for your sin, for your sin, for my sin, for the sin of the entire world. And 
Because he did that, he made the way of salvation, the, may, the way to the Father available to anyone who would believe in him. Because not only did he die on the cross paying for our sins, three days later he arose from the grave conquering death. And he wants to offer not just life to you, but eternal life. And how can he do that? Because he's conquered death. Because he is life. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. In John 11, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He can give us life. He can give eternal life to anyone who will believe in him because he has conquered death. And he can give life because he is life. And so if you're here today and you've never believed in Jesus Christ for the greatest gift that he has to offer, the greatest gift that there is to offer, eternal life, right where you're sitting, you can believe in him and he offers you the greatest gift of all, eternal life, an eternal relationship with him that lasts forever. And if you just did that, did that, then guess what? You're an infant in the faith. You're a babe in the faith. And you should be longing for the pure milk of God's word so that by it you can grow in respect to salvation. But as I look around this room, I know many of you and I know that you've been in the faith for many years. I know that you've been here and you've been getting Bible teaching year after year. And so by this time, you ought to be teachers. And so let's think about that and let's see what it, how it relates to us as it relates to these Jewish believers in the passage that we're looking at this morning. Well, the author has talk, been talking about Christ and his priesthood according to the order of Melchizedek. Do you know who Melchizedek is? Do we know who he is? Do we know his background? Well, the subject about him and Christ's priesthood is one of the deeper things found in God's word. But these lazy believers are not going on to maturity, so they're not ready for these deeper things. And that's why he stops here in verse 11. And he gives them this information, telling them how they, they can grow and how they can mature and how he wants to press them on to maturity before he gets to chapter 6 and he gives them this strict warning. A passage that is hard to understand. A passage that if you're going to be in the grow groups that JB's getting ready to go over here in just a few weeks as he starts that passage and that, those messages on the hard passages. So he's been looking at this priesthood, the priesthood of Jesus Christ according to the order of Melchizedek. And then in verse 11, he says this, concerning him... We have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. So concerning him, concerning Melchizedek, you know, he has much to say, but he can't explain it to him. And the reason isn't just because the material is hard. What does he tell them? He tells them, I can't explain it to you because you're dull of hearing. That means because you're lazy, you're sluggish. That's what that word means in the Greek, that you're lazy, you're sluggish. You're not attentive listeners. You haven't been paying attention to the truths and principles that you've been taught in God's word and you're not living it out. He goes on and talks to them more about that whenever we get to verse 14. So they're not digging the truths of God's word. They're not hiding God's word in their heart. As a matter of fact, they've fallen away from the truth. Like I said earlier, they've put themselves back under the law system. But the author's already told them, for this reason, we need to pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. You know, if we're in God's word, 
only on Sunday mornings, it's pretty easy to drift away from it by the time we get to Friday, Saturday. But if we're in God's word every day, if we're in God's word, having our quiet time with him, digging and studying the truths and principles that are found in God's word, then it's a lot more difficult to drift away from the truths. But these believers were drifting away from the truth. They weren't doing like the Bereans were doing in Acts 17.11, who were digging, who were examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things are so. You know, JB does an excellent job of teaching us the passages of the scripture and teaching them in context. But there's a lot of places that you can go online, that you can go and watch on TV, that you can hear on the radio. And there's a lot of pastors that can make their statements and their messages sound like truth because they pull a verse from here and pull a verse from there. And you say, man, that sounds so good. But is it really good? Is it really truth? Are you examining the things that you've been taught to see whether these things are so? That's what we are to be doing. That's how we mature. That's how we grow in the faith. And we're going to see that that's how we are able to discern good and evil. So what are you here for on Sunday mornings? Are you here for the coffee and the donuts? Are you here for the fellowship with your friends? Or are you here to worship your Savior, Jesus Christ, and to be trained and equipped in His Word so that you can know His Word, so that you can apply His Word, so that whenever you walk out these doors, you're not the same person. You're changed by His Word. And are you taking the things that you've been taught and teaching them to other people? JB's currently teaching the book of Revelation And many things in that book are difficult to understand. But he does an excellent job of teaching us those things. But we need to be digging out those truths, making sure that those things are so. We need to know God's word, not just on a surface level, not just spoon-fed by a pastor. We need to be digging the word of God on our own. And if these Jewish believers were, were listening, were attentive listeners then they would be to the point that they ought to be. And he tells them where that is whenever he gets to verse 12. He says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, but you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. So we see, first of all, for sure, from this verse that these People that he is writing to are definitely believers because he wouldn't tell unbelievers, by this time you ought to be teachers. That's not as important for the passage of scripture that we're in, but it is very important whenever you get to chapter 6 and to that warning. Instead of being teachers who know and apply the Bible to their lives, they need to be taught again the elementary principles of the oracles of God. So they don't just need to be taught. They've already been taught these things. They need to be taught them again because they're not processing them. They're not making application in their lives. They're not digging into the deeper things. And you see, the truth is many people don't see it as their responsibility to teach others. They say, you know, I come and, you know, it's your responsibility. You're called a pastor. JB's responsibility because he's called a pastor. Yeah, there are some people who are out here who have the gift of teaching and it's their responsibility to teach people, but it's not my responsibility. I'm not called a pastor and I, I don't have that spiritual gift and so it's not my responsibility. But the Bible tells us over and over and over again that we are to be teaching other people. 
You see, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus came up to his disciples. What are we called to be? We're called to be disciples and we are called to make disciples. And he says that we are to go out and we're to evangelize people, baptizing them. That means unifying them, bringing them together into the body of Christ and with Jesus Christ. And so we, we baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then we are to be teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And I think that word obey is key because we don't just teach them the information. Here's what the Bible says. This is what it means. Now you go do it. We're to teach them how to obey it. That means we need to be living it out in our lives. So we teach them in word and deed. I love what Paul says in Philippians 4, 9. He says, the things which you have learned and received that you've heard and you've seen in my life, you practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. You see, we are supposed to be practicing what we preach. We're to be, as Paul says in Philippians, he, he tells, or in Colossians 1, 28 and 29, he says, we are to proclaim Christ. There's the evangelism. Admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so we may present every man complete in Christ. And so that's what we want to do. That word complete means mature. So we don't just want to lead people to faith in Christ and say, figure it out on your own. We don't want to lead people to faith in Christ and say, go to church on Sunday morning. We have the responsibility to teach other people so that they can grow and that they can know the word of God and so that they can obey and live it out in their lives so that they can be mature because we're going to see maturity comes through practice whenever we get to verse 14 this morning. And so Ezra, Ezra purposed in his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it and to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. So it's in the Old Testament. It's in the, Jesus commanded it in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Paul tells the church at Colossae, that's what we are to be doing is proclaiming Christ and teaching other people, teaching them to obey, to live out these truths in our lives. But the truth is, for many people, sharing is hard. It's even hard for infants. You know, what do they say? You, you give them a toy and it's mine, mine, mine. You know, they don't want to share it. And for many of us, you know, sharing the gospel with other people, it's a difficult thing to do. It's, it's hard. We say, man, we don't want to do it. We don't want to step out on, the, on that limb and, and do that. We don't want to share the things that we know from God's word because somebody might ask us a question that we don't know the answer to. Well, let me tell you what, you can ask me a lot of questions that I don't know the answer to. If I had to wait until I knew all the answers to be able to teach you something, then I would never be a teacher. But I'm going to take what I've been taught, what I've studied from the Word of God, and I'm going to give it to you today so that your lives can hopefully be changed by the Word. If you say that I don't know enough about God's Word to be teaching God's Word, then whose fault is that? How long have you been in the Word? Is it your fault? Is it your pastor's fault? Is it your Bible, uh, Bible study teacher's fault? It ultimately goes back to us. We're called to study the word of God. In 2 Timothy 2.15, he says, study to show yourself approved to God as a workman need not be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. It's not just fake it until you make it because what does it say? Study to show yourselves approved to God. 
God knows where your heart is. He knows the information that you know. He knows the application that you're making in your life. And so you can't fake it until you make it before God. You have to study the word of God. You have to know the word of God. And whenever you teach people the word of God, it doesn't just help the other person. It helps you to grow and to mature as well. Because if you're going to teach the word of God, then what do you got to do? You've got to dig it. You've got to study it. You've got to be ready for those answers that may come. And you may get a question that you don't know the answer to. And you have to dig that out to give it to those people as well. And so the growth is not just for the other person. It's for you as well. I love what Howard Hendricks says. He says, the best way to keep what you've learned from the Bible is to give it away. If you want to know God's word on a deeper level, then you start finding someone to invest in and to teach God's word because that's the best way to keep the information. So are we being taught? Are we teaching others? Or do we just play church, not paying attention, but just going through the motions? If so, we may need, again, the elementary principles of the oracles of God. We may need just the milk of God's word Versus the solid food that's found in God's word. And that's what he goes on to say in verses 12 and 13. He gives this illustration of milk versus solid food. Look with me at, verse, at the end of verse 12. He said, And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. For he is an infant. So can you think about this? Being at the age that you are. Say, man, hey guys, after church, let's all go to the restaurant and eat. We're going to go to this nice steakhouse that I know of over here. And um, you go with all your buddies. And there's one of them orders a filet. Another one a ribeye. Another one a prime rib. And then you look at the waitress and you say, ma'am, can I get a glass of milk? And can you bring it in one of those sippy cups? Because I don't want to dribble it on my shirt or anything. So can I get it in a sippy cup so I don't dribble? But I'll take whole milk, you know, the the full-blown stuff. I, I can handle that. But, you know, don't give me any of that meat. Wouldn't you be embarrassed to have to go and, and order in that way? When all your friends are eating this solid food, this delicious steak and baked potatoes and all of those things? That'd be embarrassing. Well, why do we do that with God's word? Why do we not dig into God's word and dig into the meat of God's word and do it on our own and get in groups with other people who are studying God's word so that we can grow deeper and deeper into God's word? Why do we settle for just being fed once a week, spoon-fed the word of God by our pastor? We don't want to be like that. We want to come to maturity. But if, you, if that's where you are, if you need again the elementary principles of the oracles of God, or if you just became a believer, then get in my 412 foundations class because it's not just the elementary principles of the oracles of God, it's the foundational truths on which you are able to know, apply, and then turn around and teach other people. That's why that class was created, not just for a class to have more information about the Bible, but so that you could teach other people these truths 
in their lives as well. It also gives you the foundational truths on which the harder and the deeper things that are found in God's word. Once you have these foundations, you can understand these harder passages of scripture like Hebrews chapter 6, Hebrews chapter 10, James chapter 2, the things that JB is getting ready to go over with us. So where are we? Are we infants in Christ? Have we been believers, been exposed to the Bible for many years, but yet we haven't really grown? We're just continuing year one over and over again. Are we grown in the faith, but yet we're not teaching other people the information that we have? Or are we mature people who know the word of God and who are living it out and who are teaching other people? You see, maturity isn't just knowing the information, but it's knowing and applying it. And that's what he says in verse 14. He says in verse 14, but solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Those who are mature not only know the word, but they live it out in their lives. They've been taught and through their senses, they've learned and been trained to discern good and evil. In order to grow from infancy to maturity, we must learn discernment. We must train our conscience, our senses, our minds to distinguish between good and evil. We must incorporate from the word of God principles of right thinking and right action so that we can correctly judge the moral situations that occur. Can we recognize temptation before it traps us? Can we tell the difference between a correct use of scripture and one that is taken out of context? How much time are we spending digging God's word? How much do we know of God's word? What do we know of God's word? And of that, what are we living out in our lives? You know, there's many people that know a lot of information from God's word. They have a lot of verses memorized of God's word, but yet they don't live it out in their lives. So we need to not just know the word. If we want to be mature, we have to know the word and we have to live it out in our lives. Now, because of all we've seen in verses 11 through 14, seeing about these Jewish believers and their immaturity, their being dull of hearing, not being teachers but needing to be taught, needing milk rather than solid food, and not living out what they know, what should they do and what should we do? Well, Paul, or the author of Hebrews, gives them this information in verse 6. Look with me at verse 6, chapter 1. He says, therefore, summary statement, therefore, leaving the elementary teachings about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not leaving them behind never to return to them again, but pressing on past them, growing up and maturing. Let's press on to maturity. No matter where we are today, whether we're an infant in Christ, whether we're in junior high, whether we're in high school, or whether we've got our doctorate degree, all of us have the responsibility to be teaching other people the things that we've been taught from God's word. So we need to be taught and we need to teach others. And we don't just teach them in word. We must teach them in word and deed. We must practice what we preach so that others can see how to live like Christ. We need to teach them to obey all that God has commanded us. And as we saw in this passage this morning, a mature believer 
because of practice, knows how to discern good and evil. So what have we seen this morning? We've seen that the author of Hebrews wanted to teach these Jewish believers some deeper things that are found in the word of God. But he wasn't able to do so because of their laziness, because of their dull of hearing. They're lazy listeners and they're lazy livers. They're not living out the word of God as they should be in their lives. So they need to go back to the elementary teaching, the ABCs of the Christian life. The author wants them to press on though to maturity. He wants to give them this deeper things of God's word. And he actually does go on and do that because he says, let's leave these elementary teachings about the Christ. I'm not just going to sit here and just continue to give you the ABCs every week. Let's press on past that. And so he presses on and he gives them this information about Christ's priesthood according to the order of Melchizedek. And remember this, whenever we teach others, it doesn't just cause them to grow, it causes us to grow as well. So let's think about some applications. We need to be different from the Jewish believers that are found in the book of Hebrews. We need to start by being attentive listeners. Whenever you're here on Sunday morning, you need to be listening attentively. And maybe making notes, if that's the way that you learn and you, and you um, dig out God's word, then make notes. Some people just want to sit there and they want to listen because that's how they learn best. Whatever it is that causes you to learn and to know God's word in the right manner, that's what we need to be doing. And then we don't just need to sit here and listen attentively and then go about our day. We need to get back into God's word. We need to dig out these truths for ourselves as we go throughout the week. Because if we're not in God's word on a regular and everyday basis, then it's so much easier for us to drift away from these truths. Then B, let's be effective teachers. Let's take the information that we know from God's word and let's impart it to other faithful people who will be able to teach others also. And as we do so, like I said, we don't just teach them in word. We have to teach them in word and deed. And that takes us to the final thing. Let's be practicing believers. Let's practice what we preach. Let's practice what we see from God's word. Let's practice the truths and principles that we find in God's word because Whenever we do, it changes our lives. And that's what we are called to be. We are called to be like Christ. We are called to be imitators of Christ as beloved children. I like what Howard Hendricks says. We don't study the Bible just to make us smarter sinners, but rather to change our lives. So the question is, what are you going to do with the information that you've been given today? Are you going to chew on it as you go throughout your day, throughout your week? Are you going to go back and look at this passage of Scripture and see what it says and what it means to you? Are you going to think about who is it? If I'm not already teaching someone now, who is it that I can be teaching? If, if you say, man, I need some more information so that I can teach other people, are you going to look around and find someone who, you, who can teach you? Because that's what we need to be doing. We need to be making application of God's Word. So my charge to, you, to all of us is the same charge that he gave to these Jewish believers. Let's press on to maturity. Let's don't be Christians who should be fired from our jobs of making disciples because we don't know enough of God's word and we're not making application in our lives. If that means finding someone to teach you, look around this room. There are many people, men and women alike, 
who know God's word, who are able to teach God's word, go up to one of them and say, I need some help. I need some information from you. I need to see how to live out these truths and principles that are found in God's word. If pressing on to maturity for you means that you should be teaching someone else, then there are plenty of people who need to be taught. There are plenty of students that need to be taught in God's word. They may be in this building right now. They may be in this place right here that are sitting beside you or around you. They may be in your neighborhood. They may be in your workplace. But there are plenty of students that need to be taught. And through this, not only will we have more mature believers in this community, in this church, but we'll be fulfilling the purpose that God has for us in our lives and for us as a church, which is to make disciples. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, is this passage talking to you?